your Bibles to uh, 2 Timothy uh, this evening, 2 Timothy chapter uh, number 2. I'm uh, going to kind of continue what we were talking about <laughs> this morning um, when um, Paul tells uh, young Timothy here that uh, verse number 2, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so thankful for your love for us, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, to meet together here uh, in uh, this place. Thank you for each one that's here uh, this evening. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts like only you can from your word through your spirit. Well, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We need to take the things we learn and pass them on. So we're talking about this morning, uh, of course, uh, uh, starting with salvation, being saved. Uh, but then we're talking about as Christians, uh, how we need to have understanding, how we need to have understanding in our lives. And uh, why are we here? What are we doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? Sometimes uh, in life, uh, I feel like you can get in a rut even doing good things, you can get in a rut and forget why you're doing what you're doing. So, um, you know, sometimes we get in a rut doing bad things, obviously, and uh, that's not good. But sometimes we get in a rut doing good things, and I'm not saying it's bad to do good things, but I am saying that we need to be reminded of why we're doing what we're doing, because if we don't know why we're doing what we're doing and we're not doing them for the right reasons, something's going to come along to hinder us or stop us from doing the things that we're doing because we forgot why we're doing them. Does that make sense? And so we've got to have understanding of why we're here, what we're doing. Mordecai. Uh, told Esther, God has got you here. Maybe God has got you here for such a time as this. This is your purpose. This is your reason for being here. This is why God put this in your life. This is why God has brought you through the fire. This is why God has brought you over the mountain. This is why God has brought you through the valley. Because uh, this is your purpose. Every person should know what their purpose is. Why are you here and what you're doing? Every person should know what their spiritual gift is. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Well, I don't have a spiritual gift. If you're saved, you do. Every one of us have spiritual gifts. Matter of fact, probably most of us have more than one spiritual gift. And there are areas in our lives where we're stronger, and there are areas in our lives where we're weaker. And to understand that helps us to know our place in the body of Christ. Know our place in what we're doing. And when we know our purpose, catch this, when we know our purpose, we're never jealous of somebody else's gift. We're never envious of somebody else's title. We're never worried about anybody else because God's not called me for that purpose. God's called me for this purpose. Now, let me say something that I always say. There are some things that's everybody's purpose. 
God has called us all to pray. Okay? So we can't say, well, you know, it's really not one of my spiritual gifts to pray. Prayer is not a spiritual gift. Okay? So God has called us all to pray. That men always to pray and not to faint. It's God's desire that we all communicate with Him. Uh, being a witness. God has called us all to be witnesses, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is uh, the mandate for the church as a whole, for God's people as a whole. So it's not like, oh, well, it's not my spiritual gift to be a witness. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Some things, are, it's a purpose for every Christian. And then there are some things that are individual that God has absolutely uh, uh, gifted us with individually where he may have gifted you differently than he has gifted me. And sometimes what our problem is, is we begin to bicker and we begin to get bitter and we begin to get jealous because we look at somebody else and we covet that gift. Do you know why we covet their gift? Because we've forgotten what our purpose is. That's, that's not my purpose. This is... This is my purpose. That's not my gift. This is my gift. And I'm supposed to be using my gift for God's honor and for God's glory. But the only way to do that is to have understanding, uh, uh, to, to realize why we're here and what we're doing. So we talked about that a little bit this morning, but I want to uh, talk about tonight when it comes to understanding uh, uh, where we receive understanding. How do we get understanding uh, in, in our everyday life? How do we get understanding in our Christian lives? I have no desire to be ignorant when it comes to spiritual things. I have no desire to be ignorant when it comes to the church and when it comes to the service of the Lord. I would that you not be ignorant, brethren. God has a desire that we have knowledge, that we have understanding, that we have wisdom. James said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So wisdom is different than knowledge. Right? I hope you understand that. Knowledge is, 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 is knowing about a subject. There are things that you can, look at, you can know everything there is to know about spiritual gifts, but if you never use your spiritual gift, what's the good of knowing about it? Right? I mean, you can know everything there is to know uh, about the scriptures, but if you never apply it to your life, then what is the good of you knowing it? And so wisdom is not only knowing, but wisdom is knowing what to do and when to do it. Wisdom is knowing what to say and when to say it. Right? Wisdom is when we, when we read um, the Proverbs, uh, the tidbits of wisdom that God gives us uh, when it comes to our everyday walk, when it comes to raising our kids, when it comes to communication, when it comes to all these things that we need to... We need to um, have wisdom and knowledge in so that we can have the understanding to be who God has called us to be and who God means us to be. It's kind of like raising your kids. You have a desire 
when your children are small? You have a desire for your children, I hope. Hope you have a desire that your children will grow up and be, um, you know, be good citizens. You have a desire for your kids to grow up and be successful. You have a desire for your kids to grow up and be spiritual. So your desire is for your kids. Does it always work out that way? No. It doesn't. I mean, it's, you know, we live in a, we live in a practical world. We understand that. To, but it's your desire. And can I tell you, God's got a desire for you. He's got a plan for you. And he is, uh, the, 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 the Bible uses the, uh, the analogy that he's the potter and we're the clay. Have you ever, you ever watched somebody, you ever watched uh, somebody make a clay pot? Or have you ever done it yourself? You ever seen somebody um, blow glass um, or make a knife or whatever it is, uh, do something and create something out of nothing? It's it's unbelievable just to watch them do it. And I'm telling you, um, that's what God says, that he's the potter and we're the clay. And so he's molding us and making us... uh, Not for your purpose, but for His purpose. See, sometimes I think we forget that it's not about me and you. It's it's about Him. It's not my purpose. It's not your purpose. It's not what I want. It's not what you want. It's what God wants for us and what God wants to do in us and through us. So how can we learn? How can we get understanding? And how can we get... Um, how can we get uh, wisdom in our lives? So three things uh, I want to share with you when it comes to um, getting understanding. Number one, we get understanding. Look with me, chapter 2 and verse number 9. We get understanding often through suffering. We get understanding often through suffering. Wherein, verse number 9, he says, I suffer trouble. As an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer... We shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. One thing that is guaranteed in life is that there are going to be difficulties. In the world, ye shall have tribulation. We're going to have, we're going to have rough patches in life. I wish life was always easy. I wish after we got saved, from that point to the end of our life, life would be easy. But it's just not so. We have physical infirmities. We have emotional infirmities. We have financial infirmities. We have relational infirmities. These happen throughout our life. And through these rough patches, sometimes we learn... And sometimes we get bitter. 
Sometimes the suffering draws us closer to God. Sometimes the suffering pushes us away from God. We have to be careful when we face difficulties. You see, we have no problem when we're standing on the mountaintop to to say that God is good. We got some money in our pocket. Things are going well. Physically, we feel better than we ever have. I mean, things are going good in our relationships. There's no problems at work. And everything's going great. And they sing a song and we raise our hands and we say amen. Ah, because everything It's easy to say amen when everything's going good. Right? It's easy to say amen when everybody else is saying amen. But isn't it amazing that when one bad thing happens... So many people fall apart. So many people crumble. So many people get out of church. They stop praying. They stop reading their Bible. Because they face difficulty. Because somewhere along the way, and I don't know where it came from. Maybe it's partially the TV evangelist fault. Maybe it's partially the lack of preaching and teaching in in the churches. I don't know what it is, but somewhere along the way, we have got the idea that we shouldn't be facing any problems because we're Christians. But that's the furthest thing from the truth. It's the furthest thing from the Bible. So when we face suffering, not when we face suffering, not if we face suffering, but when we face suffering, are we going to learn from that suffering? Are we going to learn from that difficulty? Are we going to learn from that valley? You know, you really find out what kind of person someone is when they face a problem. Has that ever shocked you? You see this person, you think they're just absolutely full of faith. I mean, nothing ever rattles them. I mean, they're just... A stalwart for the faith. And then some difficulties come around and boy, you you can't find the person with the search warrant. I mean, they fall to pieces and they and they, oh woe is me, and pity party and all this other stuff, and they dig them a hole and and jump in it and bury themselves in the hole, and you think to yourself, what in the world just happened? See, it's not just a matter of uh, Uh, how you act and react on the mountain, it's how you act and react when you hit that valley. God sometimes wants to teach us lessons when we go through the valley. I heard somebody recently make this statement publicly. Rest assured, when suffering comes, it's not from God, it's from Satan. And I guess I have to disagree with that statement. Because yes, sometimes Satan comes along and upsets the apple cart, doesn't he? Sometimes he comes along and he's just, he's trying to deceive, he's trying, I mean, that's why the Bible says that we need to be aware. We need to, we need to know our adversary, the devil, who is, who is a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Open up your eyes, and realize it's 
It's on my bucket list. And I don't know if you have a bucket list, but I have a bucket list. It's on my bucket list. What is a bucket list? It's what you want to do before you kick the bucket. That's what they say. And so I, I got a bucket list. One of them is to go on a real safari. I mean, I would absolutely love to go on a safari. And you get in one of these Jeeps. But I'm thinking, thinking about this the whole time. So if I got to do it, I would love to do it. But you know what I would be doing? Man, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be watching for lions. Every chance. I mean, we're talking about wild beasts. We're talking about animals that look at you like you're dinner, right? And you're in this Jeep. I'm thinking about this as I watch. You know, you can watch these safaris and different things. And, of course, I always watch, like, safaris gone wrong, you know. And so I'm watching all, and I'd be sitting in that seat, and I'd be enjoying it, but I'd be looking over my shoulder, and I'd be making sure. Why? Because a lion is dangerous. And listen to me, he is a roaring lion, and he doesn't want to be your friend. He wants to destroy you, and he does want to see you suffer, and he does want to see you angry, and he does want to see you bitter. He does want to deceive you. But I want you to know not all suffering comes from him. Sometimes God sends us through suffering to help us learn. Sometimes God sends us through suffering so that we can later help somebody else. I know we don't like to think that way, but, but you do know that God wrote Job as much as he wrote, you know, John. And, 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 and we think, well, well it's, 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 it was Satan that put Job. No, 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 no. Matter of fact, God recommended Job for the suffering. Every time I read that passage, because I, I make that statement, and I go, maybe I should go back and read that, make sure I'm right about that. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm right about it. God recommends Job. Have you considered my servant Job? Now, listen to me. I'm so glad if God is proud of me and proud of what I've accomplished, I'm so glad. But I'm not sure that I'm glad enough to be offered up to Satan. To test my faith. But isn't that what happened? Of course it's happened. And sometimes life happens. And sometimes suffering comes from Satan. Sometimes suffering comes from God. Sometimes suffering comes because we live in this fallen world. Listen, a sickness goes around. You know how, you know how it does. And boy, it just, especially in like families or schools, or at the workplace, a stomach bug goes around and like everybody shares it. That's why we say at Rinkin Baptist Temple, you're not feeling good, stay home. You're not, you're not proving nothing by your, you're not proving your faith by coming and getting everybody else sick. You know why? Because sometimes it just happens you were around somebody that was sick and you got sick. Oh, God is sending me through a trial. You got sick because somebody coughed in your face right sometimes it's just part of life but when the suffering comes and no matter how it comes are you learning are you understanding are you growing are you changing sometimes we're going through the suffering so that we might learn humility Sometimes we're going through suffering so that we might learn how to depend upon God. 
and how to lean upon Him. Sometimes it's hard to learn through the trial. Sometimes it's hard to understand through the difficulty. But if you'll hold on and get through it, often you can look back and understand what you're supposed to learn. And then you can come along because you face this problem. Somebody else is coming through the problem and you can come along to that person and say, hey, let me, let me, let me tell you what I, what I learned. I went something similar with what you're going through. Let me, let me show you what God showed me. Isn't that the purpose? Isn't that the purpose of passing it on? Isn't that the purpose of when God teaches us something? It's not so that we can hoard it. It's so that we can share it. If God's house, if God's church is not burning its light, what's the point in it being here? Aren't we supposed to so let our light shine before men? I mean, we're supposed to be a lighthouse in our community. We're supposed to be a lighthouse in this world so that we can shine bright. And I'm here to tell you, if we're not shining, you know what it means to shine? It means to pass it on. It means to give it to the next generation. Isn't it interesting? I find it interesting that we blame everything on the current generation. Well, this current generation's ungrateful. This current generation is lazy. This current generation, nobody wants to work. This current generation, this current, it's all their fault. Whatever they are. And it's always been that way, by the way. It's always been that way. But here's, here's my problem. Here's my problem with it. The generation that is currently here has followed the generation that was previously here or that is still here. And what have they learned from the previous generation? Sometimes I think we have this mentality. And even amongst Christians. You know, for me to learn a lesson, boy, I really had to go through a hardship. So, man, they really need to go through that hardship too. You know, how much better it would be if you learn from your mistakes and then other people could learn from your mistakes as well? Hey, I did this. It was a bad... Now, you can't make them. And a lot of times, you know, this generation, whether it was this one or last one or the one before it, we're all hard-headed. And sometimes we don't learn and we have to learn from our own mistakes. But how smart would it be if we learn from the mistakes of others? How are they going to learn if we don't pass it on? God's brought you through the fire. God's brought you through hardship. God's brought you through difficulty. Who have you passed that on to? I'm a journal collector. Every time I see a cheap journal, I buy it. I mean, I just do. If you need a journal, come, come see me. I've got, I've, I mean, I've got, journals are expensive, folks. Now, if I find them in Goodwill or a thrift store or whatever, that, man, I, I, I buy them. And I give them out as gifts. You know what a journal is? You write down your thoughts. You write down what you've learned. Do you know what I really love? I really love an old Bible. Now, not so much more so much today as in yesteryear. 
But I'm here to tell you, people used to write everything down in their Bibles. They'd stick money in their Bible. They'd stick things that they went to a wedding in their Bible. They'd write things down in their Bible. And boy, I've just you can learn so many lessons. There was a preacher, Gustav Gabelman. That's his name. He was a theologian. Wrote a lot of books. He ended up getting um, too feeble to live by himself, so he moved to Penny Farms. Has anybody ever heard of Penny Farms? It's a community down in Florida, right over by Middleburg. It's where my wife grew up. Penny Farms was established for missionaries, retired missionaries and retired preachers. J.C. Penny of the J.C. Penny stores is the one that established this Penny Farms. And so Gustav Gableman come, and they have all sorts of things. They have full houses, and then they have apartments, and then they have an assisted living all on the same property that you can go to. So when you move there, Gustav Gableman moved there, and he moved into a house and, and um, brought his library with him. Well, then, as he got older, he transitioned from a house to apartment, and his library got smaller. When he went from his apartment till he couldn't do that anymore, he moved into, his, into the assisted living, and his library got even smaller. Well, every time his library got smaller... He'd give his books to either the Penny Farm Library that's, that's, that's on, on the campus or to the Penny Farm Thrift Store. Well, not many people knew about the Penny Farm Thrift Store. But this old boy knew about the Penny Farm Thrift Store. And you used to be able to go in there and they charged 25 cents for a, buy, or for a book. I got to be so well-known there that the ladies, the volunteers that, that lived at Penny Farms, they volunteered there, they would actually have boxes of books when I showed up. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about books now. I'm talking about uh, F.C. Jennings' book on Isaiah, Impossible to Find. I'm talking about all, and a lot of them said Gustav Gableman in the front of them. I thought, well, this guy, this, this guy had some good books. In my library, I've got some of the rarest books I found at JCPenney, at Penny Farms. And he apparently had no family or his family had passed away. Because one day I was in there and I saw an old Schofield Bible that was taped together with just like scotch tape. And it was falling apart. I opened it up and it said, Gustav Gableman. My very first thought was I was just devastated that there wasn't a son, a daughter, a great niece, somebody that would have wanted this Bible. My second thought was, shamedly, I was glad that there was no person that wanted this Bible because now it sits in my library. And as I was reading this, boy, sermon notes in here, I got his entire system down now. 
I can read. I mean, he, it's almost like he wrote in shorthand, and this was abbreviated for this, and this was abbreviated. And boy, I'm telling you right now, he wrote all these things, things that he learned from this passage. And he put notes in here. And if there was a page where you turned, it was half a page blank. I mean, he filled it up. And as he filled it up, let me tell you something. Somebody I never met, somebody who's with the Lord now, the things that he wrote down on those pages went from those pages to my head. The knowledge I received. Let me tell you, a good journal, writing down, and you know what you do with the journal? You pass it on. You pass it on to your children. You pass it on to your grandchildren. My kids don't really care about much that I have, and I've already told them there won't be any money. If I have anything to do with it, I will spend all of it. You're getting no money. So make your own way. Figure out your own way. I'm spending my money, okay? Uh, They're not, you know, whatever. They'll probably sell most of the stuff that I have. But they are in a cat fight over my Bible, especially my girls. And and, and Emma said, no, I'm getting it. And Anna said, "Uh, I'm older than you, and I'm getting it. No, no, no. Okay. So I am at currently, and you talk about a lot of work, currently have another Bible that I'm currently taking the notes from my actual preaching Bible to put in this Bible, and then I'll probably do it one more time so all my kids could have the things that I had written down. There are things worth, listen to me, they're worth passing on. But you know, when we go through hardships... We go through difficulties and we learn those lessons, write them down. You know why? Because you'll probably forget. And even if you have a good memory, some people remember everything. I love sitting down with Miss Page. Miss Page cracks me up. She acts like she can't remember anything and she talks like, I mean, yeah, back in 1944. I'm like, do what? And she tell, I mean, she'll tell you when people got saved. She was telling me, I was t- asking her about, you know, what, what was your progress to, to make it here? Because I knew she was at Bible Baptist. And I mean, she told me the dates. I mean, I'm talking about the dates. Some people have good memories. Some of us, not so much. And if we don't write it down, it's going to get forgotten. Do you know how much stuff gets forgotten? Because things get thrown away. Because things don't get written down. And let me tell you what we've done with our suffering. We've wasted it. If I'm going to go through it, right? If I'm going to suffer, I want to learn something through it. And I want somebody else to learn something through it as well. We can learn. We can get understanding from our suffering. Number two, we can get understanding from the Scriptures. God has given us His Word. We can get it through studying. Look with me in verse 15 of 2 Timothy 2. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus. Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful what you're studying. 
Be careful what you're reading. We can learn through studying, but we need to study the right things. We need to study the Word of God. Because that's where we learn. That's whereby we grow in our Christian life. Not only can we learn through suffering, but we can learn through through study. You know, there's a lot of vain things that are out there and vain babblings and false teachings and all this nonsense that's out there. And if you're not careful, if you, you we, how many times have we made the statement? If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything that comes along. And so many people are caught up in the biggest bunch of nonsense because they've believed some preacher or they believed some book that was written or um, some religion that was taught. Everything you read and everything you hear, you ought to back up with the Word of God. If it's contrary to the Word of God, that's why God said, let God be true and every man a liar. Because if they're contrary to the Word of God... I'm not talking about being contrary to you. I'm talking about contrary to the Word of God. When they're contrary to the Word of God, God's Word always trumps man's Word. But we can learn through suffering. We can learn through studying. Number three, we can learn through sanctification. We can learn through sanctification. Go down with me to verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these... He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity. God goes on and on and on and says there are some things you should say no to, some things that you should say yes to. That's part of sanctification. That's part of our growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are times in life where God brings things in your life to sanctify you to grow you, to help you to have the knowledge and wisdom you need to make it through a future event that you don't even know you're going to face yet. Isn't it amazing how God prepares us? Isn't it amazing how how God knows more than we do? How, How God sees more than we do? How that God knows best? You know, it was a good day in my life. Now, unfortunately, I was a grown adult person. But it was a good day in my life where I realized that my dad knows more than I do. Now, I'm not necessarily saying in, in, in everything, but I'm telling you in experience. I look back at my life and I look at the failures that I found in my life and I look back and I, and I, and I listen in my mind's eye, to my dad's knowledge, my dad's recommendations, my dad's wisdom. And I think, you know, if I would have just listened, I might not have had to gone through that problem. If I just listened, 
I wouldn't have had to face this in my life. And you know more than that? God has your best interest at heart. God wants to see you succeed. God wants you to be blessed. And so when God puts something in your life, He's preparing you for something in the future. Romans 8 and 28 says, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. So God begins to work these things together, and though we can't see it, we know God can. And maybe God is trying to help us avoid this problem or avoid this circumstance, or God's just preparing us for something that we have to go through. Do you know that that's the goal of the military? When you see programs, or maybe you've been through a program, maybe some kind of special forces, and you think to yourself, why would anybody have to go through what some of these men and women have to go through? And even sometimes when you're going through it, I remember going through boot camp thinking to myself, this is ridiculous. Why, why in the world does it matter if I can run a certain distance in a certain amount of time? Why does it matter that I have to do so many sit-ups and so many push-ups and so many pull-ups? And why does it matter that I've got to know, you know what an officer is and what an enlisted person is and what their rank is and who I call sir and who I don't call sir? What's the purpose in all this? As a young punk right out of high school? I don't understand any of that. But as I got into my military service, I realized there's a, there's a method to their madness. And some of it is madness. But there's a method to it. They're trying to build you. They're trying to make you. They're trying to condition you, not into what you want to be, but into what they want you to be. You see, little do you realize when you join the military, they own you. It's just the bottom line. I remember going in and I remember them telling me all these things, all these wonders and blunders. And I remember them telling me when we went to A school, we finished boot camp and went to A school and you graduate at the top of your class, you can pick anywhere you want to go. Man, I worked hard. I mean, I worked hard. Only one person was above me. I was number two in my class, and I'm thinking to myself, whatever they don't pick, sky's the limit. And then they put the board up, and here's the list of places that you can pick from. Hold on. That's not what you said. You say we can go anywhere you want. No, no, you can go anywhere you want that we tell you that you can go. So I was, well, I was still excited because it was up there. Florida was up there. I'm Mayport, Florida. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I'm going to Mayport. And I'm glad I did, by the way. I mean, I got, I got saved because I went to Mayport. I found my wife because I went to Mayport. I, I mean, there's was, was a lot of good things. But I got to Mayport. I wasn't in Mayport for three months. Got aboard my ship. Got settled in, in Mayport. And they say, we're moving you to Pascagoula, Mississippi. Pascagoula, Mississippi wasn't even on the board. Matter of fact, it hadn't even been built yet. It was just getting finished. Who wants to live in Pascagoula, Mississippi? There's nothing there. Of 
course, God had a plan in that as well. That was, uh, you know, my home church for the longest time. That, that They really loved me and helped me through my Christian life after I got saved. And God had a purpose in that too. But I'm telling you that the military, you can do this if I tell you you can do this. And their purpose is to make you into what they need and what they want to be. Let me tell you what God, when you're in God's army, let me tell you what God's making you into, what He needs you to be, what He desires you to be. Because He knew, He knew that you were going to rub shoulders with Danny Freeman. He knew that you were going to rub shoulders with Charlotte Johnson. You didn't know that, but he did. And he brought things into your life. And isn't it funny how iron sharpeneth iron? Isn't it funny how people can help you? I say to Miss Charlotte all the time, I ask her all the time, Miss Charlotte, do you ever get sick of getting called? I mean, we stub our toe. Miss Charlotte, man, I just... I mean, we have a weird ache somewhere in our body. Charlotte, like, like she's, a, like she's a, the medical expert, by the way, she is. And you're not the only one to call her. I call her too. But I say, do you ever get tired of answering? She's retired. She never gets tired of it. And you know, God brings people in our lives who have this what we need and, and, and we can help them and they can help us. And you think that's just random? Because it's not. God does these things and he does these things for our sanctification so that we might grow, so that we might be a help. It's really cool. I'll just give you a for instance. So Anna's desires to be on the mission field. And she's really thinking through how she wants to be a help and a blessing on the mission field. Maybe, maybe she, you know, I mean, obviously her desire is to get married, but if she doesn't get married, is she still going to go to the mission field? And how is she going to do that in the mission field? And two people have had an impact on decisions that Anna is, is probably going to chase after. I don't know. She's still thinking through the things and, and really praying about it. Uh, but two people, one of them, is uh, Kristen McLaughlin. You remember Kristen? She was in the Ivory Coast, and uh, she's a single woman. She's been in the Ivory Coast for a very, very long time. Matter of fact, when the unrest happened in the Ivory Coast, and civil war broke out, and all the missionaries left, matter of fact, I know people that have left there. They're over in France. They're over in different places in Africa because it's a very dangerous place. She never left. And she's a nurse. And she gets doctors and nurses and, and has all these medical missionaries coming over. And, and they're a help and a blessing in their village. And she reaches out and people are saved. And she's part of an organization over there. And, and she's really been able to talk to, to, to Anna. And Anna's thinking some kind, of, some kind of medical missions that she can be a blessing to. You know, the other person who probably doesn't even know. Uh, that, that she is it, but Miss Charlotte's another, another person. She saw what Miss Charlotte has done through the years and how she's been a help and a blessing right here in, in the United States and, and how, how, how can I affect other people. Can I tell you, when you think that you 
that you don't know why you're here and you don't know why people, God brought people into your life, rest assured God knows what he's doing. And when he brings these people into our lives and we begin to pour into them and we begin to help them, and sometimes we think, am I doing any good? What I'm doing is it making a difference. Even when you can't see it, God is working behind the scenes. God is working in people's hearts. And he's doing it not only for your sanctification, but for the sanctification of other people. And we learn. And then when we learn, we pass it on. We, it's, like, it's, like, it's like shooting. It's like guns. All my children, they, they know two things. They know gun safety and they know how to shoot. It's not, it's not by accident. I intentionally showed them if you're going to be around guns, you've got to know gun safety. I pass that on. If you're going to be around guns, then you need to know. You, 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 you never point a gun at a person unless you plan on shooting them. Guns aren't a toy. And I've, I've passed these things on to my kids. I'll give you another for instance. All of my children know how to play ping pong. I love ping pong. I mean, I love it. And I don't even play it very often. But when I play, I love to play. And all my kids, look, when my daughter was in college at ABC, she'd get up there and she's just like me. I said, I said, sweetie, you can't beat all the boys all the time. I mean, you got to let them win every once in a while. Oh, no, no, dad. I crush them every time I play them. Deep down, I'm going, yeah. You know how they know how to play? Because I passed my knowledge down. Right? Are you passing your knowledge down to the next generation? What about your kids? What about your grandkids? Well, I had to learn. No, they have to learn too. How are they going to learn unless they have a teacher? How are they going to learn unless somebody takes what they know and in the right way passes down what they know so the next generation can receive it and pass it on to faithful men and receive it and pass it on to faithful men. That's how it gets from generation to generation. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight and we're so thankful, Lord, that you allow us uh, to have a copy of your word and that that word can change us. That word can help us to grow, help us through study, help us through suffering, help us through sanctification to learn the things that you'd have us to learn, that they might make a difference in our hearts and they might make a difference in the hearts of people around us people that you bring into our life. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't understand it, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful so that we can take the things that we've learned and pass them down to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We don't have to be a Billy Graham or a D.L. Moody or a Charles Haddon Spurgeon. We could be an Edward Kimball. We can be a person that just passes it down to one other person who will pass it down to another person who may be that Charles Spurgeon, who may be that D.L. Moody. 
It's not about us. It's about why you have us here. And I believe with all my heart, you have each of us here for such a time as this. Speak to us. Use us. Develop us. Grow us into what you'd have us to be. Now dismiss us tonight with your blessing. Give us a good week this week. Help us to keep our eyes open for opportunities to serve you, for opportunities to be a witness for you, opportunities to pass down the things that we've learned so that others too might grow and others too might be able to pass that down to the next generation. Help us not to be discouraged by the world, deceived by Satan. Help us not to be buried by sin. But help us to turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in His wonderful face. And we'll see that the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. Help us to lean upon you, depend upon you, and rest in you each and every day. With each problem, with each difficulty, with each suffering, with each burden, help us to cast them upon you. And give us the strength to make it through. Learn the lesson we need to learn and help others. Dismiss us again with your blessing. Keep us safe. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Good to see you. Wednesday night, Wednesday morning, 9 o'clock for scriptures. Wednesday night, 7 in the Fellowship Hall. We're going through the Trinity.